We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bearcast, a partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It is game week. The season is here. September 3rd, Cal kicks off against UC Davis. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday night, only a mere days away. Of course, Andy is always here talking talk, his name on the pod, too, on our recording thing is Mr. Optimistic. So you can tell his, uh, his predictions today are going to be uh, pretty positive. Is that a fair assumption, Mr. Johnson? It is. It is. Cal football is on Saturday, so optimism is in the air, only to be quickly dismantled. But right now it's high. And I would say I have a nice little blend mixed up, a little blender. So don't get too confident in my optimism. Ooh. I might have some that'll surprise you. Ooh, fancy. But yeah, most of them are pretty optimistic. <laughs> Well, of course, we always do these predictions podcasts with a guest. And, of course, we have our dear friend, writer for Cal Rivals, Mr. Jesse Stewart. Jesse, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. <laughs> Maybe not quite as optimistic, but I'm here. It's it's Monday. We're working through it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just laughing just because there's, we just, there's so much shenanigans that goes on before we start recording. But, uh, <laughs> anyways... <laughs> Let's get it started. Guys, I asked you for six predictions, hot takes, whatever it may be on the season. We're going to go through it round by round. Um, and then we also have some from listeners via Twitter. So I'll put I'll uh, add those in intermittently. And then we'll react, of course, to each other's as we say it. So let's get started. Mr. Optimism, give me your first one. I'm going first. Do you, do you not want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is the easiest one, and it's not even, like, fun, I don't think. But I am going to say it anyways. <laughs> uh, we will go into South Bend, and we will win, and we will celebrate, and we will celebrate on the bus back, probably asleep. But every single Cal fan that goes to that game will be treated to a Cal win. You heard it here last. God, the, the, the flack wow. we're going to get for this. 
I'm sending this straight right. to my Notre Dame affiliates. <laughs> <laughs> right on the back of the Brett Johnson news. Boom. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna walk into South Bend and beat probably it's still a top ten ranked team regardless of what happens in week one, right? I would think no. You think they drop out of the top ten if they lose to Ohio State? No, yeah, I no, I don't think they drop out. I think I think they gotta keep that one high. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I think by the time they face us, they'll still be in the top ten. So Andy is Andy saying we're gonna start off the year pretty much with a top ten victory. Goodness gracious. I don't know. Dang. Mr. Optimism coming in hot, dude. Oh my god. Just just straight <laughs> off wow, okay. Okay. Um a little I'll I'll interject here with one from our listeners. We got that's that's kind of similar. We got one from our dear friend Sid, Andy. Sid Sid sends it MVP. in. Love it. Cal beats Oregon by a touchdown in double overtime by getting a defensive stop. I need Cal to win this game. I don't mind how, LOL, but it would be cool to do it in overtime. I think it would be a battle and will depend on Cal getting big offensive plays. For those that don't know, Sid went to Oregon, rocked and repped Cal the entire time, and that's why she needs this one. (laughs) So let's give it to her. And who was it? Some ESPN reporter said the same thing. It was like the one upset of the upset of the year in the Pac-12 was Cal beating Oregon. It's not even an upset. We're like, we win 50% of the time against them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm expecting to win that game. I, I'm like, upset? What do you mean? <laughs> we trade wins every other year these days. Uh, so, yeah, don't mind me in my optimism corner. But I really like Sid's breakdown of the double OT because... I probably won't survive that if that's the case. I think at least in the first overtime, anxiety takes over, and I probably am just like on the ground and uh, seeing stars. So it'll be fun for everybody else. <laughs> I mean, that did happen a few years back. Remember Jordan Kanasich's interception in Justin Herbert's first visit to Burke? Stop. Oh, God. Uh, you mean yeah. when we had no defense? The worst, How the worst win I've game? ever been a part of? I felt miserable. <laughs> Dude, that was the worst like, Oregon team. Oh, Sorry, go ahead, Jesse. God. I'm just saying, that's gonna be like a. It's gonna be a 7 p.m. kickoff, so a double OT will actually like yeah. kill me. But, and it's gonna be what? When do they play? October or something? Yes. October 20. Yeah, October 29th. 7 p.m. kickoff is gonna be awesome. <laughs> going into double OT. Andy, what was the? You're gonna be up till 2 a.m. at a minimum. Which one it was? Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely Sonny Dykes era, without any doubt. Those <laughs> things lasted forever, four hours guaranteed, and then we had like a seven. You get a no, seven thirty yeah. kickoff or some. Let I don't even know if they had the eight. Remember that like eight p.m. Fox slot back. Um, but I, I mean, I remember like when I was doing the post game wraps and specifically a big game. Like I was writing until three thirty in the morning. I published. At three thirty in the morning. Yeah, there was there was one game I I distinctly remember where Andy and I are sitting in the press, like the press conference room after the game, and we look over at the clock and it's twelve twenty, and we ha- none of the players or coaches had come out yet. <laughs> Dude, I would go home. <laughs> I would. I, I've got no shame in my game. They upload those things. I'll look at it in the morning. 
I'm going home, man. <laughs> they upload those things. They do upload those things. <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's a factual. It's a factual statement. It's actually pretty smart. Well, there, I don't know. There why. are plenty of other Cal beat reporters that will ask all my questions for me. I'm it's certain. True. It's true. See, see, Andy, this is why Jesse's smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, if Trace is listening, Trace is like probably over there, like, damn it, I could have been doing that all along. <laughs> Traces, traces, too good was too good at the job that he he was gonna be there regardless. He was too dedicated. So true. He was way too dedicated. Guarantee you, Trace will not read any of my articles just out of shame. <laughs> he won't. He, he won't do it. Uh, all right, we pivot to Jesse's first point and prediction on the season. All right. Well, I think I think ooh, sorry. Oh, that's a bad omen. <laughs> <laughs> I live on MLK. There's there's nothing else to do here. Um, well, a little more positive than that. I think Cal is going eight and four. I do. Ooh. I do. I'll say it. I'll say it. I think eight wins are not out of the question. I think if you look at the schedule, I mean, Davis, UNLV, apparently Notre Dame, um, <laughs> Arizona, Washington State. Like, that's a, that's a winnable first what five games yeah before the bye. there's there's some good wins in there and then you get colorado right after i mean you come out of that stretch looking like four and two i think you're looking great uh, i think the only reasonable wins there are like or losses there are washington state and notre dame because um, washington state is i think going to be a lot better than projected mm-hmm. um then you go you know washington oregon usc that's kind of a rough stretch <laughs> but you know oregon at home uh, we won't talk about Washington or USC. Nope. Um, Oregon State, Stanford, UCLA to wrap it up. I think you could conceivably see like eight wins. Mm-hmm. Realistically, minus any Pac-12 shenanigans, <laughs> shenanigans that, that unfold. I that's Andy. That falls kind of into your point of when we were doing the the season preview a few weeks back. Oh, for sure. I. Fully, I mean, I agree. <laughs> I have one that is close to it. I think eight wins is, I, I mean, there's clearly some people on Right for California that are expecting eight wins or calling for Wilcox's job, which is hilarious. But, um, you know, I think that there's a reason to have these expectations. And I mean, if Brett Johnson doesn't get ruled out for the season, I'm coming into this podcast like super hot. So I had to like pull pull back on like win projections and stuff like that. But I think ultimately the team will be fine uh, largely. And I think Jesse, you're totally right. The, the early schedule here is not daunting. I mean, yeah, you look at Notre Dame, you're like, okay, you know, maybe you lose that game if you're not in living in crazy Andy's Andy's head and you know I think Washington State sure they might be better than expected but that's still a game that you should compete into and the big thing obviously is just avoiding these avoiding the Scott Frost game from Saturday oh god oh god so (laughs) that's what we have to do like we cannot be the team that loses the toss-ups we have to win all the toss-ups and 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 ideally we would stop relying on toss-ups that would be nice but in a world in which I mean we haven't seen you know we're going to be in a in a world of toss up so you just have to win those you have to win those games and I think you'll know if this team can win eight games after the first six very clearly versus 
I, I don't think, I, I doubt, I think it's going to give you, a, you're going to get a clear idea, maybe in the first five games, whether or not this team is capable of eight wins or not. Like, it's not going to be like, last year we were still kind of guessing along as the season went along, like, okay, maybe things turn around and the coin flips come our way and, and Cal can turn around. I just think that we'll have our answer sooner. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with that. I think I think even you look at the first, like, maybe like three or four games, uh, or maybe three games, I think if they don't really handle business against uh, UC Davis, which, I mean, I'm, I'm writing my UC Davis preview right now. It's not a bad football team by any stretch of the imagination. Like, UC Davis went 8-4. Uh, they lost to South Dakota State in the playoff, who was in the Final Four for FCS playoffs. Like, they're a good freaking football team. Um, but if you don't handle business against Davis and like UNLV and at least put up a fight against Notre Dame, like I think the wheels can fall off really, really fast um, for this team. And, you know, I think, I think losing Brett Johnson this close to the season kind of could start that off as a, on a rocky start or it could like, Hey, like these younger guys are going to have to play early and maybe they'll develop early. Um, so it'll be an interesting thing to look at, I think, um, how those first three games go. And if you come out of there two and one with a strong showing or a win against Notre Dame, I think you got to look, look at the season and be like, okay, like eight wins are definitely like conceivable here. Yeah. I mean, if there's, since, I mean, since we're on that topic, like if there's any silver lining with the Brett Johnson news, it's that he came before game week prep that they weren't prepping for the game nor did he play game one and they know like what their rotation is going to look like and then all of a sudden your star defensive lineman goes down like they're going to have they're going to have to start i mean whenever this injury happened i think it happened last thursday um i mean granted it's still a rapid turnaround but they're they're planning for the davis game without him and they'll plan for the season without him so that's like the only silver lining here is that they have the time um to prep for the loss of his talent um on that line so yeah, kind of sucks. Uh, but I'll give my first one, and you know it's a perfect pivot because it has to do with Brett Johnson. I think despite the loss of Brett Johnson, I think Cal finishes in the top three of the conference in sacks, tackles for loss, and quarterback hurries. Okay, that is, I don't that think is it's a prediction. That out there. But it is a little That's bit. It's kind of out there. To give me a little, little bit there. more of <laughs> how. Is it like creative blitz schemes? Like I think. Well, happen? so I tweeted. I tweeted this out like when the Brett Johnson news came out. Is like everyone's like, ah, crap! Like Brett's done. Like, and I was like, yeah, Brett's a big loss. Um, but I think they've done well to develop the depth at the defensive line and on the outside enough that it can cover for Brett's loss to a certain degree. I don't think there's going to be a, like it's not going to dark waters. Like we're not. It's not that like we know what we have behind. We know that there's going to be able to, or there's going to be guys that are able to give us production at the spots, um, and so that's why I think the scheme has always produced the talent floor has actually gotten better over the last three years. That 2020 class that they brought in is probably going to have to start paying dividends now, and it's as of what me and Jesse saw over fall camp it looks like it is starting to pay dividends. Um, so that's where I think that, and I've raved about this front seven and I've talked to Yogi Roth about this and he put it up on his like six storylines for the season or, or surprises. And he was, yeah, yeah. 
It was a casual flex. Casual he was flex. talking about the the front seven being underrated. And, uh, I honestly <laughs> think that it could it still could be a top seven front or top three front seven by um, by season's end. I think it'll. I think that that's still valid. So yeah, I think that's why I still believe that's possible. It's a, maybe a little bit of a stretch without Brett, but not so far out there that it's you know under a five percent chance. You know, I, I I think that's I think you're actually kind of right there. And as much as I don't want to give you too much credit for a top because top three is kind of it's kind of wild. It is. Um, it is. It definitely is. I will is. say yeah, that yeah. if I will just interject my next hot take here because that's how I roll. Um, but I projected that uh, Cal will have its first double-digit sack number for quite some time. I forget the actual exact year, but it's been at least seven, I want to say, if not more. I can yeah. go look back. But um, my prediction is that Ethan Saunders breaks the double-digit sack club this year. I think that man is a man That's amongst good. boys. I think he is horrific to block. I think that <laughs> just watching him in practice every day is genuinely terrifying. That man is very large, very fast, and very strong. Um, so that that was my my wild one, I think. So there you go. That one's that one's wild, but it's also not that wild. Just because if you've if you've seen enough of Ethan Saunders, you know that this might be the year that he has an absolute breakout year. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, you and I have seen him. I think probably just about yeah. as much as anyone um, could over the last however long, um, and he is looks like every bit the part. Um, I mean, he's yeah. he looks like. I mean, you can say this about everyone going out of their fall camp, but he looks like trimmer. He looks faster. He looks stronger. I mean, the dude, he like flashed some really good stuff last year. I like went back and specifically the Oregon game. I thought he did some really cool stuff. Um, but I mean, he's just been like eating offensive linemen alive, um, which is I, something I have that I haven't seen in a really long time. So I've done the research correctly. The last, the there last time you. Cal had a double digit sack leader. Anyone want to take a stab? Cam Jordan. Yeah, Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan. 2010. 2009. 2009. I think it's 2009, right? Zach Follett, 2008. Oh, my goodness. That is the name. Yeah. 10.5. That's the last one. Wow. At least that's, that's, according, long... to the, that's according to the Cal football record book. Yeah, I think I think that's about what I like. What I found that's a long time to go without a double-digit sack guy. Mm-hmm. Like I know the college game's a little bit different. It's, it, it's only twelve game guaranteed versus like you know an NFL you get seventeen now. Yeah, but you know since two thousand what was it two thousand seven you said two thousand eight two thousand eight two thousand eight that's a long time to go without somebody hitting that that double-digit mark. So I think. I think not only is Cal due, I think Cam Good actually got nine and a half one year. Yeah. Um, I think not only are they due, I think that if someone's going to do it, it's going to be a guy on the interior who's just really going to get after guys. And I think that that's Ethan Saunders. Andy, you were going to say something? Uh, it's just Cam Jordan never got above six sacks. That's insane. 
That's wild to think about. <laughs> and he's probably a... he's one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. <laughs> it's wild. Wait. He had a pretty good like tackles for loss. Yeah, but sacks are a little bit iffy too. It's kind of it's it's just because if you know if he had got a hand on him. But like he throws the ball away, like as he's falling, like he th- he does the Tom Brady, like it sucks because you won't award him this the sack, but that's basically a sack. Yeah. So. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah. But all right, well, I guess uh, Jesse did his second one. So Andy, moving on to your second one. All right, I think I'm just gonna go with the same kind of theme then. <laughs> I'll go a little bit out of order. Okay. I would say that Sermon is going to lead the conference in tackles. Jackson Sermon is? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. I, could, I could, you know, I can see it happening. Yeah. I will say that. Um, I think the, the elder Sermon at some point in, like, fall mentioned that this is a linebacker-friendly scheme. Yep. Like, he, like it's, it kind of funnels everything to those guys. So, honestly, like, that's really – like, you know, initial, like, shock value of that because, you know, it's Sermon. is like, oh, God, like, I, I sure hope not. But, <laughs> but the back half of that is, like, he's a really good freaking football player. And also, like, they funnel everything inside. Like, he's got a history of producing. So, I mean, why not? Love that. We need to have Jesse on way more, Rob, because he takes <laughs> my own, bold predictions my and then just rationalizes yeah. them in such a <laughs> – wonderful easy to digest way it's like hey that's crazy well wait a second if this happens <laughs> and this happens yeah i could totally see that happens like ah oh, perfect it's the it's the football coach in him honestly dude uh, ever the optimist i talked to 16 year olds all day i mean i just got so much <laughs> boy, <laughs> joyful energy <laughs> drastic change talking to 16 year olds and then you talk to two 30 year olds like it's just, <laughs> just opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum uh yeah 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 okay all right all right um i got one that kind of has to do with that this is actually uh segueing pretty pretty nicely i think uh femio ladejo no longer, no longer Femi, but I don't want to butcher his first name, so I'm just going to call him Femi. Um, Femi Oladejo registers every single div- statistical defensive category from the inside linebacker spot. Wow. A sack, a tackle for loss, a pass breakup, an interception, and a forced fumble. Hmm. I mean, tackles are guaranteed, right? Yeah. So, you know, well, apparently Sermon's getting all of them, so... <laughs> <laughs> You never know. So now this this comes to a battle between me and Andy. It's like <laughs> fantasy football. We're gonna be watching the game. We'll be like, who who got that fumble? It's it's all the day show. It's all the day show. Who got that tackle? It's all the day show. My goodness, but that's but yeah. that's quite the stat. Yeah. How often does that happen? This... What's the context? Not a lot. I'm, I'm looking it's, right it's, now. This is this is purely like a fantasy football thing. I just I, I'm like, I had a draft this past weekend, and then I'm going through another one right now. Like it's a long term draft, but I'm like this, this would be this would be fun. It'd be fun to have an inside linebacker that literally did everything. All right, you know you know who the last one I think, I think the last do time. 
Who's Kunasic in 2018? All of them? He got all of them. That, yeah, that... Solo tackles. Rob's, I'm not surprised. Tackles for loss, sacks, interception, uh, pass defense, and five forced fumbles <laughs> in one year. He was so good. Rob's favorite player. So oh, he's, he's so nice. It's it, so ridiculous. We share we share a deep love for Berkeley Bulls uh, peanut butter and almond butter. Oh, man. I'm allergic <laughs> about this thing, so, Rob. This is a little rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that, man. If you're listening to this, Jordan, we wish you well this season. Um. All right, that's my second one. Uh, who wants? To, Je- are we going back to Jesse? Are we circling back to Jesse? Yep. Oh jeez. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna go on it. Uh, Jack Plummer, more than three thousand three hundred yards passing this year. Wow. We're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna go a little crazy here. I think three thousand. Okay. I think so. Chase Garbers last year threw for uh, precisely 2,531 yards over 11 games, which, if you divide that out, is 227 yards a game. That kind of stinks, actually. It's kind of <laughs> not good. <laughs> it's not particularly great. Um, that being said, I think that you know the whole offense was not – um, particularly youthful. I think we had a we had a, a basically a young NFL squad out there running around, um, and I think that there's just so many weapons for uh, Jack Plummer that I think it's not like out of the question that even if like he's operating like let's say he throws every ball exactly where Chase Garbers does, I just think there's more yards there. Like I just think the the guys who catch the ball are going to get more yards after the catch than um, the guys who caught the ball last year. Like, I think the best yards after catch guy last year was probably like Nico Romigio. And he did a pretty decent job, but he also, I think he only had like 200 something yards receiving. Yeah. He had 238 receiving yards last year on 38 catches. Also not good. Um, so I think you know you have you know right away the same position is uh, Maven Anderson who's gonna put up more yards than that like that's just I'm gonna lock that in stone I'm not even gonna use that as a take I think that's just I think we're there uh, Jeremiah Hunter can get yards after the catch we've seen them use J Michael Sturdivant as a yards after catch guy and like RPOs and stuff I don't I really don't think it's like that out of the question I think I think it sounds it's like kind of a sticker shock number. But he's been really good. Like he's just been throwing the ball all over the place. Um, so there, that's my take. Jesse, was there a significance behind the thirty-three hundred? Uh, I like the number three. I really like the number three. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Throw that thing out there. Let me put this in the. I'll help Jesse put this in the context. Where do you think three thousand three hundred yards would put Jack Plummer in terms of single season uh, record? Passing yards wise, way too high. (laughs) To be honest, any guesses? Top ten. Any guesses? Got to be top ten. Top ten. Eight. It's it is in the top ten. I'm I'm kind of cheating. I already know who's number one. I think. I'm gonna say kind of cheating. Well, I'll 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 give you this. Number one is Jared Goff, and number two is David. Okay, higher than eight. Higher than eight. (laughs) 
fourth. Close. It puts oh, him at oh, six. Is that what Jesse second said? Time. Money. Oh, did you Come say six the second time? I didn't hear you. I, I so that's my bad. That's my bad. That's my bad. So that would put him just below Pat Barnes in 1996, who put up 3,499 yards, um, but above Ross Bowers in 2017, who had 3,039. Right, so the precedent yards. under Justin Wilcox is there. Is what I'm hearing, and there are yeah, better the receivers is there. than there were that year. So. True. In this essay, I will argue that Jack Plummer will throw for 270. Also, if you look at a game by game, that's 275 yards a game. I mean, come on, folks. What are we talking about? It's simply not that many yards. It's not unreasonable. Yeah. At, least, at least to me. It's not. It's not. I mean, that's the average. He'll he'll have a game where he ha- has like uh, you know totally. just over 150, and then he'll have another totally. game. And where honestly, he has like over I don't. I really don't think we're going to see like those games that Garbers had where he's under 200. Like I, I just I think that this mm-hmm. era of offense, whatever you want to call it, under Bill Musgrave, whether you're a fan of his or not, which I happen to be, um, I just think that the weapons available and the way that they've used them in like the RPO game and things of that nature, I just don't think we're going to see those sub 200 games anymore. I mean, I could be wrong, right? Like against maybe Notre Dame, they might want to you know, control the clock more or something like that. But I just don't, I don't see it happening. I really don't. Jesse, is it a system thing or is it a talent thing? Is it both? Uh, I think that Derek Carr threw for a lot of yards with Bill Musgrave. So I think the system is cool. <laughs> I think he did for a lot of yards and quite a few touchdowns. I think he was an MVP candidate. Um, yeah, so I don't think year. it's a system thing, As which I know like it's really easy to like say something's a system thing when it's not working, but I think if you look uh, like the historical precedent that Bill Musgrave has, and also if you look at like, like if you talk to some guys, you like ask about Musgrave, like how much they think that guy is like a genius. I think that like there are certainly fair criticisms, but I think the system is good. Like the system has worked for the last like what ten years. <laughs> he's he's never really been out of a job. Um, so that's my that's my kind of two cents on it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Love that. Love that. I'm here for my boy Bill, man. All right, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's my turn. Okay, yes. I have to think about which one I want to do. <clears throat> okay, I'll do my last one about kind of like in the season, and then I'll do the rest of mine are... Well, actually, I have two. Okay. Cal's going to beat Arizona by 30 points. 
Whoa. <laughs> that is a, a number. Bulls. Taking it to the streets. We're like 45 10. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> we, are, we are smashing, smashing Arizona. Arizona. You heard it here. 500 passing yards. Yeah, it's over. We are going to be so <laughs> pissed from last season. There's going to be such a desire to win that forget about it. It's done. 45-10. I don't know. Take your pick. 30-plus points. You can take it to the bank in Vegas, and if it goes haywire, I'm not accountable. <laughs> can, I bet, can I bet that spread? <laughs> 30, 30 to 60. Can I get a 35-point yeah. spread, please? <laughs> I mean, from a narrative perspective, I think that makes total sense. I think that definitely this team that a bunch of these guys that weren't able to go um, due to the COVID restrictions and play in that game definitely are going to come out and like we only lost because we didn't have our full squad. Like we, we, you guys don't even stand a chance against us if if we have our full depth. So I think narrative wise, absolutely, I could definitely see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I think you know in terms of all that stuff, and I think. Arizona's, you know, they've they've pulled off a couple of recruiting miracles, um, we'll say, and and they've got some good players there. Um, I'm gonna butcher the first name, but Territorial McMillan, the receiver, yeah, he's a good, he's a good football yeah. player. Yeah. Um, and they've got a couple other he dudes. Um, but yeah, I think I think a big win against Arizona is not out of the question. But also, it is Arizona. Um, Cal cannot beat Arizona. I when I looked at this schedule, I literally looked at it and I was like. Good lord, this should be a win. I cannot, I cannot, like I, I am more comfortable picking a Notre Dame win or like a Cal win over Notre Dame than I am Cal beating Arizona at home. Like that's just the nature of the nature of these things. I think that, my friends, is why I'm trying to put that good juju out into the universe <laughs> and just be like, look, y'all, it's gonna be a thirty point win. Don't even worry about it. I know you're thinking, oh, it's Arizona. We always lose, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Just just stick with the 30. We're winning by 30. Oh, what I heard is a 30 points total in that game and triple overtime. <laughs> oh, please no. Please, <laughs> please no. 17-13. 17-13 in overtime. I want <laughs> Oh, gosh. That would be the most Garbers. That would be, yeah. Uh, I mean, so I mean, that's so a previous. Much pain that's the previous the era box. for sure. <laughs> I would the three of us sitting in a row at that game in press row, we would be dying. I, I don't think I could write about that. And if 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 it somehow plays out like we're talking about right now, I'm just gonna look at both of you and I'm just gonna just shoot, <laughs> should be shaking my head like we did this. <laughs> it's gonna be the Drake meme, but like a sadder <laughs> version of it. Look at this. Look at this. None of this was here before we got here. We started this. We created this. It's gone wrong. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Um, it's your turn, my friend. Whose turn is it? Is it my turn? Oh, my goodness. I got to do number three? Okay. Uh, I'll do a fun one before I do the other. Like, We will see Coach Wilcox smiling in a press conference <laughs> after the game. Cool. After Cal wins a marquee win at home. At home? Oh, man. At home. thought oh, you were going to back up my Notre Dame prediction. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I'm not sure if we'll we'll see that because I'd, we'll probably be on a Zoom thing. But uh, yeah, I think in person we'll get one this year where he's just smiling and happy. He's like, we made some mistakes, but all in all, like we played a great game and we won. Like I'm which, happy. Which game is that? Do you think? Oh, that's the hard one. Like it has to be a marquee yeah. game, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta be Stanford, right? I do think like. Ooh. I mean, we did that last year though. Like he was smiling. Just, he was smiling after that. We one. Handled them. He was smiling. After he was smiling that one. after that one. Yeah. So, I'll I'll go on a limb and say it's it's the Washington game. Okay. You know what would be especially good is if they just smoke Oregon, and we just yeah. get Wilcox on the podium with yeah. the biggest grin on his face. <laughs> I think that would be so. Oh, that's so sweet. meta. I think- <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about just a just a great time in the press conference. Uh, so who's going to ask the question if that happens? So do you regret not taking the Oregon job? Don't worry. I'm, I'm certain someone will ask that question. Maybe it'll be yeah, me. Not, Rob, no, it needs to be better than that. It needs to be so... Justin, would you mind sharing your thoughts on marketing campaigns to win over the approval of the Oregon fan base now that you just beat them? Could you comment on how excited you are to do some media campaigns and talk to some talk to some alumni? Do you feel like the win today contributes uh, to the well, overall media campaign well, yeah, that okay. Oregon that's, that's was hoping fun. to that's my, like, execute with really you as their head coach? <laughs> All right, we swing back around to Jesse. Who's pilot on? That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, okay, this is this is a not so fun one, but this is a, this is a very real. I don't even know if this is really a hot take. Um, I do think that Cal gets turnover regression this year. I don't think I don't think the ten turnovers in twelve games happens again. Sad, sadly. Um, yeah, that was going to be one of mine. <laughs> see, <laughs> yeah, see, you know. take that. <laughs> yeah. I think that was. I think that's spot on. I think I we're mean, just gonna. Yeah. It's we're gonna be more loose. We're gonna play a little bit less of the turtle ball, and. Open it up, and with opening it up, you have to be okay with that turnover ratio coming, normalizing a little bit. Yeah, and and I don't even know that that's necessarily like you said. Like I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think that living in a world where you somehow only fumbled twice and threw eight interceptions is crazy town. Like that, that is not like a real world scenario. Like unless you have Aaron Rodgers. Like mm-hmm. I don't, it just doesn't happen. Um, uh, so I think, and I think, I mean, me and Rob have already seen in camp, like the quarterbacks who are there, or at least Jack, um, have been taking some shots, dude. They're not like af- afraid to take those shots. And like, there are some adverse consequences there sometimes. Like guys have been making plays on the ball. That's just what happens. And I think the other like really encouraging thing there has been that like, you know, when Plummer does throw a pick in practice, like nothing changes about his demeanor. It's just kind of like, oh, well, that happened. All right, what's the next play? Like, and I think that's that's something where, when you get that someone with that level of confidence and that level of like, okay, I'm like, I'm first of all, I'm the starter, and second of all, I'm okay taking these shots because I know I'm going to hit more than I miss. 
I think that's a very different attitude um, from what, you know, maybe Musgrave and Garbers went through last year. I think it's, you better not freaking miss. And because we don't, we don't have the yep. firepower to make up for that. Um, so I think, you know, turnover regression, I, I do think there's also going to be more fumbles. I don't know how they only fumbled twice. That is insane. One of those being he, at a he particularly legit injured bad time himself on that Washington. play. Like, I, it's, um, yeah, it was like a. Yeah, it was not good. Like, yeah. you can't even do anything about that fumble because just like your body is. You yeah, know, it's just nothing, nothing to do. Yeah, seriously. So like, yeah, again, like not, not even giving fault here. Like that's it's just it was a bad time for that to happen and bad outcomes all around. Um, but I so I think I think that goes up a little bit. I think I honestly maybe like eight to twelve interceptions is depending on how much they really want to open this thing up. I think it's not an unreasonable number. Um, I think it'll be less like silly interceptions for lack of a better word like i don't think we're going to see the really bad ones i think it'll just be hey i took a shot here i tried to thread the needle and it didn't work out we're gonna go get them um so there's there's my lukewarm take i guess yeah i think it's like the big thing with the interceptions what we talked about before is is what killed the wilcox teams of yesteryear was the the situational aspect to those interceptions mm-hmm. it was you're taking points off of the board type of an interception. But if you're living in a world where it's you're in your own territory, you're on the 35 and you take a deep shot downfield, maybe try to get a flag or, you know, you try obviously try and hit the route and somebody picks it and they get it on their own 30 or their 35. Yeah. Take that all day. But it's the ones where we're coming down and you just turn it right back over and pull points off the board that really cost those older teams. Totally. I, I think, yeah, totally spot on. So, Jesse, if it's if uh, you have 10 to 12 interceptions, you obviously have to keep that touchdown-to-interception ratio in the, what, 2 to 3 range? So then let me flip it and ask, how many touchdowns? I mean, so through, I think, let me get the number for sure, uh, 16 passing touchdowns last year and eight interceptions. Um, if we're looking just strictly two to one, we're looking at, you know, 20, 24. So I think anywhere from 24 to like 28 passing touchdowns, um, depending on the situational football, like, okay, if we're on the like two yard line, they're probably not going to throw the football. Like they're probably going to run it. Um, so if these shots are getting us real close and we're just going to finish things in the end zone with the run, I think that obviously changes some of the math there. Um, but I think, you know, anywhere from 21 to 28, which is I know a big range, but I think that's kind of like reasonable. I think it's not something crazy. Like we're not looking for a Bryce Young season. Like we're not anything like that. I think you're just, you know, you're taking your shots where you get them and Plummer's shown that he can operate. And um, I think they're improving in the red zone. So hopefully get a little bit more of that. Well said. 28 would be 28 would be pretty lit. 20 would be <laughs> sweet, dude. <laughs> we'd have a we'd have a lot of fun. Yeah. Twenty signing it us up for a good time. Oh, listen, brother. I'll have a good time regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about y'all. All right. Well, speaking of good times. It, meanwhile, Jared Goff threw or no, Davis went through four hundred or uh, thirty-seven 
2016. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun year. It was a fun and frustrating year that year. Very, very, very complicated. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Anyways. Anyways. Speaking of fun, okay. here is mine. Cal breaks into the top 15 nationally, doesn't win the Pac-12, and doesn't make the title game. Because <laughs> we are Cal. That just makes me so sad. <laughs> I don't even want to react. Like That just makes me so sad. The funnier thing is, last time we broke into the top 15, we lost that ensuing game. So yes, we when did. was that? With Arizona State, like uh, two years, 2019. Oh my gosh. You're that so Friday bad. night game? Yeah, we were going into it, and it was... We were top 15, and all of us were like, this is bad juju. We should not be ranked this high. This is absolutely bad juju. And then, yeah. I think that's such a uniquely, like, Cal experience. Like, you get ranked high instead of, like, oh, my God, we're having a great season. Everyone's just like, no. Like, no, no, no. The wheel. we lost our quarterback for, like, half the season from that game. Oh, gosh, man. Yeah, Jesus. Ultimately resulting in the world-famous Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> that isn't that long ago. That's crazy. Yeah. I would have thought that it was uh, the Jared Goff group that, that group? was ranked that high. They never really. How high did they get even? They didn't right get, before that Utah game, didn't we get going into that Utah game? Right. Yeah. yeah it was like was it around sixteen? Am I making that up? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure we were in the top twenty. I just don't remember how far. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't listen. I think top 15 is taking advantage of what's recreational in California a little bit here. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, um, don't want to yuck your yum, but top 15 is crazy. Um, I do we think were, we were ranked, <laughs> the highest we were ranked in that season was 20. Yeah, that sounds right. You know okay. what the funnier part is? We were ranked 23rd. Going into that Utah game, and we lost that game by six. The following week, we played UCLA, and we actually went up in the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, dude. So that is funny. I remember that actually now. <sighs> All right, that's a good one. That's a that's, that's a good, good one. one. All right, who's whose turn is it? I believe it's your turn. Is it back to me? Okay. All right. Um. I'll, I'll kind of go off of what Andy did. Um, my take, Cal sweeps the quote-unquote Pac-12 North matchups. Once again, the, the Pac-12 divisions no longer exist. The guys who get to go to the championship game are the top two conference records. Um, I don't know how the tiebreakers and all that works, but I, I'm sure we'll figure that out uh, in a couple of months when there's a couple teams with the same record, but yeah, I think, uh, I think we beat, I, I think we'll complete that sweep. Beat Oregon, beat Stanford, beat Washington, beat Washington state, beat Oregon state. Wow. I, I don't know how many thoughts I have on that, but I think it's like, it's kind of interesting because when you list the games off and they're really like not, yeah, like, they're not crazy down. Yeah, like as of right now, like, you know, how the season plays out is different, right? Like Oregon might look like a juggernaut by the time we play them. But as of right now, like, 
I could rationally like convince someone that that's possible. <laughs> is this someone? Is this someone a Cal graduate, or is this like <laughs> somebody on the street? <laughs> <laughs> one of those one of those hot take guys on ESPN or Fox Sports. Hell yeah, dude. That's my dream job. It's <laughs> just, unrelated. Just firing off hot takes left and right every morning. Oh my my brother, that would be amazing. What a job. With no consequence. <laughs> <laughs> no consequence. No consequences. Yep, no consequences. Alright, that's I mine. Mean, if, if Rob, if that happens, yeah. what's the end record? I still think I still think it's like what eight and four. So yeah. you have UCLA, USC. Who else? Um, so that's five, right? Uh, that's five wins there. We need three other wins: Davis, UNLV, and then yeah, we probably lose to Arizona. <laughs> probably <laughs> lose to SC. Uh, yeah, we beat Colorado. There it is. So we'll lose to the two LA schools. And Arizona and Notre Dame and Notre Dame, yeah. That is but such that, a that is such a funny like four losses. Yeah, yeah. Because you because you're examining the eight wins and you're like, how did we lose those four games but win these? But that that perfectly fits into the history of of Wilcox era football. You're so right. How did we lose these games? But how did we win that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it yeah, it is very true. All right, so, yeah. I like it. I'm with it. All right. Next up. Okay. Is it me, right? It's me. Yep. I think it is. Yep. So, this is the year. Correct me if I'm getting the number wrong, but this is the year that the the first to twenty one curse breaks. Oh wow! That's that. I think this is the big change. I think. So, for those who do not know, um, the. The first team to score 21 points in a Justin Wilcox Cal, at Cal coach game is something like, what is the number, like 40-something and one at yeah. this point? I think the one was broken last year. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. literally like yeah. unbelievable. It's a, it's a wild statistic. But I think that's like been kind of more like personnel-based more than like coaching style-based. I think like... You look at who's been quarterbacking. It's been Ross Bowers, who's a really good quarterback for a little bit. Uh, Chase Garbers, who people have very mixed opinions on, although apparently he's doing well with the Raiders. I haven't really watched preseason because I can't. I can't. <laughs> Just can't. Won't do it. Um, and that that's kind of been it. Um, you've had two quarterbacks that have really, mad, not to say mattered, but like mattered in that time span um, and not necessarily a plethora of offensive talent to go around excuse me so i think i think that you know should this defense give up more than 21 points like let's say to a notre dame um washington state i think is a team that might put up some points uh usc i think is an obvious team to put up some points although i don't know we'll catch them um ucla could put up points i think that these are games now where if if we're getting to a point where let's say an opposition team puts up 21, I think that this is a team that can actually catch up for once. Um, so I, th- I think the greater point is that I don't think we're going to see a Cal team that struggles to catch up when they're down. Um, you know, it might not be the actual 21 rule, but I don't think we're going to see a team that, that literally has to break their game plan to come back, um, which is, is new, I think. 
Definitely new. Uh, yeah, very new. But a, a fantastic take. And it, it trends pretty well with everything else you, you've said, Jesse. And I think it will inevitably be a thing until it's not. <laughs> you know, it's like, without a doubt, first game, if we, for some reason, go down to Davis, like let's say Davis gets a 21-14 to 14 lead, you already know. The, them Twitters are coming out. <laughs> them tweets be coming, coming fast. <laughs> but it'll... Let's I think see. that is the... If that that's like the biggest question here is if Cal can like actually make if this team can transition in that space, then there's no there's not really a ceiling because your defense is potentially going to be that good. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think like the biggest well, I won't say the biggest criticism, but I think one of the criticisms of Wilcox and and the staffs that he's had has been that they aren't able to claw back into games when things start to go awry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I honestly, that's a fair criticism. Like, um, anybody who knows me knows that I like to give, like, the benefit of the doubt to coaches because, boy, oh, boy, I sure hope I get that. <laughs> um, but I think that's a super fair criticism. I think not being able to claw yourself back into a game is not a good thing. That's a hot take, too. Um <laughs> But I think that this is a year where they theoretically could like do that. I think there's weapons outside. I think the offensive line is a little bit better than people are dreading. Um, and I think there's a quarterback who can actually handle himself in those situations. There's my take. I think that's fair. Love Sorry. it. I hope Chase doesn't listen to this podcast. He's too busy. <laughs> He's definitely too busy. He's too busy no. making NFL rosters. Yeah, we're small fry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, please don't listen to this. Yeah, he's, he's probably got better. Don't time. let he us probably mess with your head. Can you guys Agreed. block him on Twitter when you release this? Actually, like <laughs> these <laughs> could happen. Yes. All right. Great. On that note, UC Davis. I kind of queued it up. UC Davis game will be closer than expected. Why? Why? Not because of the play on the field. Because it's going to be hot as hell on Saturday. It's so real, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, supposed to be somewhere like 85 degrees, just temp-wise. So if not hotter, and you're imagine... going to tell me that Davis isn't going to be ready for that, given that they play practice in... <laughs> I mean, it sets up so well. It's like one of the funniest things. You would never think, hey, this team, it's like the opposite of the Midwest. It's like, yeah, we practice in 100-degree heat all the time. (laughs) So we're ready for this. Like, oh, my gosh. And then we're out here in the Bay with the fog and in Berkeley. Like, there's just, my goodness, that's going to be... What's what is game time? Like one o'clock? One p.m. It's a one o'clock Forget game. Get about it. Oh, <laughs> Three it's o'clock gonna is going to be so hot. And when, when the rule with like turf fields is like whatever the temperature is outside, you got to add ten. Like add ten to twelve. So if it's eighty-five, the kickoff, that that field's sitting at ninety-five, and it feels every bit of it on your cleats. Because uh-uh. that's oh. a good take. I like that take actually. Oh God, that's not that's <laughs> some da- some Davis grit. 
coming into college. <laughs> yeah. We got some real Davis boys gritting it out. Yeah, exactly. It's a really gritty, hard nosed football team. Aggies. Yeah. Some farm boys. Yeah, I love it. Oh, man. Not scared of the heat. We got a bunch of uh, agricultural economics majors coming in, ready to ready to take that heat on. No disrespect yeah. to the Ags. Yeah. I'm just thankful that we'll probably be in the press box, which means, you know, climate-controlled, air-conditioned in the shade. Loving it. Um, I, I, Yeah, I'm genuinely sorry for the people that have to sit, like, on the opposite side of the field, like, in the... Oh. In just the dead heat and the dead sunlight. Like, and, like, Jesse and I have been out there at fall camp, and there were some days where, like, it, it didn't even get to 85, but it was just not a single cloud in sight, not a single, like, breeze or anything of, of wind and it's just blazing sun on the both of us it was bad it was like it not was good real vibes bad. there was there were days where i i questioned everything <laughs> how, how much There's is the excessive heat warning just so you know yeah oh. i have a i have an and ankle tan to show for it it's starting <laughs> saturday morning is the excessive heat and oh it yeah dude. all the way through monday Yes, Dude, that rocks. Actually, that's so much fun. <laughs> it's gonna I be potentially up to a hundred and ten degrees. Is Where? this upper nineties to a hundred and ten, particularly across the interior? Okay, so oh. like if you go to like Danville or like Pleasanton, no, if you go, if you go to where I coach. It's gonna be probably Jesse. Just cross the just cross the uh, the tunnel. Dude, I don't. I don't want to talk. It was. I wore a long sleeve to practice today. I was having a great day. (laughs) Not anymore. It says San Leandro's hitting ninety on Saturday, and Berkeley is usually about three, four degrees cooler. But, dude, what if it gets to ninety? Happy opening day, or happy opening day, guys. (laughs) Happy welcome back to Cal. That's that's gonna be empty stadium. You think people were going to Cal, UC Davis anyway? Right, and then you throw in this, and like everyone, I, there may be more people at Strawberry Canyon swimming pool than actually. <laughs> oh man, we wanted to, can we do an over under for that? <laughs> can I get a spread? You see the line that's like snaking down <laughs> the road, and you're like, "Is this for the football game? No, nah, this is for the swimming pool." <laughs> <laughs> swimming pool is minus like five hundred people. <laughs> you guys taking oh. those odds? I'm taking them. Oh. Hammering them, actually. That'd be painful. Uh, it's yeah, but yeah. So if you're coming out to the game on Saturday, <laughs> this, I guess this is your warning. Uh, bring lots of water. Bring lots of sunscreen. Pedialyte and uh, maybe something like bring your own shade. Like bring like a bucket hat or, or something like just to get yourself some some shade. Bring a parasol. Throw it back. Bring a, a parasol. Well, I, I don't. Is that is that a? Are you allowed to? Isn't that considered like a weapon? Like going into the stadium? Probably. Put a little like rubber tip on top or something. I don't know. <laughs> get, get get funky with it. You have a, a styrofoam parasol. <laughs> but it's got to be made of clear plastic. Also, yeah, that might melt. That might melt. <laughs> accidentally make. Uh, all right, is it back to me? Sure it's is, back bud. To me. All right, uh, I got. All right, I got two left. What number are we uh, on? Which one should I do? All right, I'll do I'll do the run game oh, first. I got one for the run game, one for the pass game. So, uh, run game. So, um, Cal's average 
yards of push on run last season was about 4.1. I think that average with this offensive line pushes past the five-yard marker. We'll get to about 5.3. Before, like, yards of push? Yards of push. Wow. Mm-hmm. In the run game. That is a number. So a full, basically a full yard extra. And what drives, what drives this line of thought? Um, I think the guys are more athletic. I think the line definitely is better in the run game than the pass protection. At least that's from what we've seen in fall camp. Um, I think what Matt Sindrick said in one of the press conferences really struck a chord with me where he said, I'm not thinking as much, uh, in regards to the play. I'm, I'm doing more just like, I know what I have to do and it just like naturally, I just do it. Um, so I think that will play a part into, especially in the run game where you're going to have guys pulling, you're going to have, you know, feet getting mixed up all over the place. But now if, if he's running through it without having to think through, okay, what's my assignment on this? Which gap do I need to hit? Who do I need to follow behind? Am I pulling here? Am I not? Um, all of that. If all of that is taken care of across the two deep on the O-line, then I think the, the blocking scheme is just going to run that much smoother. Um, and you're just going to see guys hitting the spots that they need to hit in order to get that push faster. Mm. That's where I'm at. Okay. That's sound logic. I don't hate that. And and from what like I've like kind of generally heard, it sounds like um Musgrave has simplified a lot of things this year. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily made them easier, but he's like he's found a way to kind of translate that a little bit better. Um, so I, I think that that kind of goes in line with everything that we've been saying today and I think we've been seeing and hearing. Um, so, yeah, I like that take. That's a good take. Thank you. All right. Jesse. All right. So here's here's the take. Also on the run game, actually. Ooh. Um, I know. I know. Good segues. Um, I think that – well, this is kind of a two-parter. So I think that we see Cal have two backs with over 100 touches again. Um, last year is Chris Brooks and Damian Moore, um, and I think we also see a third back who gets 50 touches. I think that is not out of the question, and I think that, um, or maybe you know, 40 ish, uh, and I think all three of them average over five yards a carry. Um, Shoot, I think. I mean, a, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I guess if, if that goes in tandem with, with mine, that makes sense. Because if it's if we're getting an average of five yards of push, then if you can get to even just that line, you're at five yards. Totally. Even and if he falls down at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's um, that's kind of mine. And I think part of – I was looking at, like, some of what was going on last year, and I realized that we're losing 104 Chase Garbers carries. Like, and some of that is not, you know, sack adjusted. So maybe even if it's like, let's say 75 carries from Chase Garbers, a lot of freaking carries. So last year, uh, Chris Brooks had 116 carries. Damian Moore had 100 even. Uh, Chase Garbers is written down as 104. Um, And the next guy after that was Marcel Dancy with 26 carries. So I think if you just take, you know, 25 of Chase Garbers, 104, and you redistribute them, um, because I mean, from what we've seen from Plummer, he's going to get out of the pocket a little bit, but he's not, he's not 104 carries guy. Like that's just not who he is, which is fine. I think that actually helps the offense a little bit in some different ways. Um, but I think a guy 
like DeCarlos Brooks could definitely pick up a ton of carries this year. He only had 10 a year ago, and I know uh, Rob is going to be super happy to hear that name. <laughs> um, yes. But I think I think Jaden I think Jaden Ott and I think Damian Moore um, I've been kind of writing about this a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to be they're basically cemented as the one-two punch. I wouldn't be shocked to see those guys get pretty equal reps um, as the season progresses. And we've seen a lot of DeCarlos Brooks. Like we've seen a lot of him doing some really cool stuff. Um, another name that got a lot of run last year is Chris Street, although um, he may be a little limited going into this week. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it all kind of rolls out here, but I think that is not an entirely unreasonable mark for those guys to hit. I think, especially given what you just said about yeah. the, um, offensive line getting a ton of push. I mean, even if they get the yeah. push last year, like in all the skill positions on the offense. Totally. And is that something that comes from. How much does Rob's point about the O line play into this to, to the success of this group, or do you think the talent level, like you're talking about, is just higher? So even if the O line play doesn't go to that level, that this is still achievable. Well, I mean, I think I think you know, when you talk about touches, at least you know we're looking at you know 50, 100, 100. That's 250 rushing attempts right there. Um, you have to have some confidence in the offensive line in order, in order to put the ball on the ground that much. Because um, it's it's just, you know, speaking very from a lot of experience here, if you have an offensive line that you're maybe not super comfortable in, you're throwing clicks a ton. Because those are basically making up for your run game. It's a little less consistent, um, but there's a little bit of a higher chance of explosive there, so you kind of take that trade off. Um, which is, I think, what we saw in the Sunny Dykes era a lot. It's like, hey, if I'm not super confident in this offensive line, I'm going to hit a lot of clicks. I'm going to similar things uh, with Mike Leach. So I think, you know, naturally you have to have a lot of faith in that offensive line. I think if what Rob says about them improving and being more athletic, which I agree about, um, is true. And I think naturally more touches come for those guys. And I think also, um, like, more we have more touches, and I think we're going to get more passing attempts because I think this offense is just going to be a little more high power and go a little faster than they have in years past. Um, I don't think it's going to oscillate between, you know, slow it down and tempo as much. I think we're just going to live at a faster pace. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think the, for, from my end, like I think the, in terms of the run game, there needs to be a balance struck, right? You need to have the balance between an, you, you can't have an offensive line that gets you this much push and not have any running backs that are able to do anything with it. On the flip side, you don't want to have a running back that can do everything and is electric, but an offensive line that can't even get you two yards of push. Like, you totally. can't ask him to do everything on their own. It's never 50-50. I personally, um, if I'm going rationally, I would go like six, like 65-35 uh, in favor of having a more push-heavy offensive line. Um, if it was me, like, talking about Madden, I want the stats in my running back, <laughs> but, um, so that's, that's kind of, for me, that's where it is. Like it will never be a 50, 50, nor will it skew to one side. I think maybe in a couple of a few years past, it was heavily skewed to one side. And we were asking our running backs to do a lot because our offensive line wasn't getting pushed or our offense or our running backs just wasn't able to burst into that second level because they weren't reading the holes right. Or, or they, they were trying to do too much. 
but I think the group right now has like that perfect mix. Like we have the speed, we have the vision, we have the agility, like we have the, the one cuts um, and then the explosiveness just into the second level. So yeah, um, all in all, I think I'm pretty, this is, I think the, the, my point about the offensive line and Jesse's point about the running backs is probably the most rational and most realistic hot takes we've said tonight. <laughs> like the ones that it like has the realest possibility of happening. Easily. Explains explains why I've been so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I need to live need to live in the world of, of oh, well. Let me let me uh, just segue right into that. Okay, final take. Okay. Wait, am I going out of order? I am. But final take. No, I'm not. No, I'm in order. That's the last one. Yeah. Okay. This is a crazy one. All right. How should I set this one up? I'm gonna end with the. I'm gonna start with the end. Wilcox is going to take an NFL job. Oh, wow. Holy and then let me walk you back. Okay, so D'Amico Ryans is going to get a head coaching role. <laughs> this is how I'm justifying this. D'Amico Ryans is going to get the head coaching job somewhere at the end of this offseason with the Niners defense being incredible. Then Kyle Shanahan is going to come to Cal a la Steve Mariucci, and he's going to hire Justin Wilcox as his defensive coordinator. <laughs> Great. Wow. If this happens, I'm retiring, Rob. This is, this is like, this is the prediction of all predictions. This is Mooch part but two. I will say, um, I don't know what job it will be. It can be, you know, it could be that scenario I just laid out. But I think, um, I think if given the chance to have a coordinator or plus role in the league, he may consider it. That is interesting. That's not a lot of words on that thing, but I'm, I think I'm processing. I think I'm a little bit. I mean, if it's us, right? Like you get the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator of the team that your dad is a Hall of Famer for, and your dad played defense for that team. That'd be hard to say no to. Yeah, that'd be tough. It's like it's, it's. I think it matters a lot when you think about like ultimately the where where a lot of people will say that would never happen is because I think Wilcox is a great head coach. I don't know if he would give up on being a head coach, but part of me wonders. You know, it's we're out of this era of like three four years for him. So we're now, you, you start to get to that point where, okay, five, six years. That's where I feel like your head can kind of be like, well, I've been doing this for a little while. Do I want to switch? Do I want to shake things up? Do I want to press into a, a, a different type of scenario, a different type of challenge? It would be something I'd be quite curious about. I don't think it, you know, it's the reason that, that it's a hot take is I personally don't think that I'd see him making that jump, but... If all of those stars aligned, like you're saying, Rob, and like you talk about that scenario and potentially a Super Bowl like caliber team in the sense that they've been competing at that level for the last few years, it's a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a rebuild, that's for sure, right? You're it, that's the first thing for him. You're going into a, a very good situation. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. I think you know he's. 
it's it's on the table, I guess. You know, if, if someone throws a bag of money at him and it's like, hey, you don't have to do recruiting anymore, and also you don't have to answer any more questions about the city of Berkeley's public health policy, I think he has to consider it. I, I think <laughs> I think those two things alone bring him to the table. <laughs> Yeah, people, yeah, I guess you'll have people say, like, why would you go from a head coaching job to a coordinator? Like, dude, we hired Bo Baldwin from Eastern Washington as a head coach as an offensive coordinator. Like, I, yo, it, it definitely happens. It happens. Oh, it's definitely totally. going to happen. So, I mean, that's a hot take, but that would mean that his stock's not that high right now as a head coach. And so you would, I don't think even eight wins would put him on that map. I think he, you got to get him to, like, nine or ten wins and the defense is like outstanding like utah level good i don't know because uh i mean this is maybe not the best example but cliff kingsbury cliff kingsbury did not exactly True. set the world on fire at texas tech and he got a job now part of that was they knew they knew they wanted tyler and they wanted somebody who theoretically would match that skill set but i think you can make an argument that justin wilcox is like not to say doing more with less at Cal, but I mean, the reality of the situation is given where Cal recruits and how Cal recruits and the standards and expectations they have there. I mean, strictly based on the stars, he is doing more with less. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing. I think if he's, if he has like, again, a good year where people just outside of maybe the Cal market and outside of the expectations that Cal fans have, uh, see what's going on down here, and they think, "Hey, that guy can really coach a defense." Like, I, I think I want that guy on my staff. I can see it happening, and it would be less media if he's a defensive coordinator. So yeah. I think right away you're you're selling that guy. Interesting. I don't get why Andy would put that into the ethos, but <laughs> oh yeah, I don't are. even. That is the, the absolute last thing I think I could ever want. It's, don't get me wrong. I don't want it to happen. Listen, you listen to some people I, talk, and it might be the best thing to ever happen. So, true. Some people, yeah, some people are definitely off the Wilcox train right now. It makes no sense, but that's why. To be fair, like if he goes like nine wins this year, and then he leaves, like, are they happy or are they sad? They're, be abs- sad. they're absent for po- from posting on the internet for about three <laughs> weeks before they start complaining about something else. Yeah. Is, what, is what that is. Well, they're, they'll be complaining about who we hire next. Yeah, yeah. before they even coach again. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Looking forward to the internet. Do you? See, this is... Yeah. It's one of us. No no Twitter life is just just right. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> I mean, talk about removing one of the most negative sources of... <laughs> oh, my goodness. My goodness. Coach but, got it right not having social media. I'll be honest. It's true. He does have a right. But some of us need it <laughs> for for just <laughs> duties. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Andy. Uh-oh. I interrupted you. Right. Oh, no. That's fine. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last one. My last one is it's not that hot. But uh, I think the tight ends will account for eight passing touchdowns this season. All right, who leads? That's a very good question. I, I'm i inclined to say Kalecki just because he is the best cat, pass catcher. But I could easily see like a Terry three, uh, Kalecki three, and then like one for Elijah Maharo and then like another one for 
uh, Jack Endries or one of the How stacked players. is Jermaine Terry right now? I need to know for my what high levels. Listen, that man is built like a brick house <laughs> made of something. That man is so large and so strong and so... Like, imagine huge. if someone was the size of, like, a... Like, a, like I'm just going to compare it to a car, right? Like, he was the size of, like, a Challenger. Like, just, you know, just a, a pure American <laughs> muscle, right? And then he decides to, he decides to lose his bad weight and then trans, transforms himself in, into a, a Shelby Cobra. Like, it's like, did we lose anything or did we, I can't tell if we lost something or if we gained something, but I, I don't know, but it looks nice. Dude. Okay. So let me just say, for those of us that are having a hard time comparing a person to a car, <laughs> I would like to just throw out another example and say, how does he rate on the Vernon Davis scale? Ooh, well, that's a good question. He looks like, like like slightly more muscular like shannon sharp is what he looks like mm, yeah because that, that dude is pretty ripped like yeah but terry's like large but you this is not this is terrible radio but if you just saw my face when i said that mm-hmm. you would understand like how large large this man <laughs> is like he is in charge like that is a like think about like how big miles garrett is and like how he wears like the like loose long sleeves, but they look like they're like compression sleeves. It's like we're looking at the same deal. It's like that dude is huge, like he's massive. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure he's wearing like loose shorts when it's like those days that they don't wear the pads. But it looks like he's wearing compression shorts, skin tight, just yeah. massive. <laughs> but I, I will say, like to Andy's point, the the. The body transformation that I'm slightly more impressed with is actually Kalecki. Yes, agreed. I think um, his his change. He was just skinny and a very good pass catcher last year. He's actually he's actually filled out his frame a little uh, pretty nicely. Like not he's not fully there yet. It's probably another off season before he's fully there in terms of college ball. But there's definitely he's definitely moved from like step one into like at least step two point five out of like a five step process. Oh, ab- absolutely! Like the dude, look, he looks great. It. Yeah, I think I think you know I think like I said earlier, like that's kind of a narrative that everyone gets during going going to like fall camp or whatever. Is that mm-hmm. oh, everyone looks great, like best shape of their lives. But like no, like this like strength and conditioning staff, whatever they did in the off season, is insane. And I've talked to a couple of guys that I know who were like part of the program or formerly part of the program, and they're like it's like a complete 180 degree turn from whatever they were doing before. Like guys go in, they have very specific work plans that work for them. I mean, they and they the guys come out looking just unbelievable. Um, wow. So I, I think you know Kalecki's a great example of a guy who went into a weight program that's that tailored for him, and he came out looking unbelievable. I think another year in there, he comes out bigger, stronger, faster. It's going to be a very scary situation. How long has Brian Johnson? Is this is this is his second year? This is yeah, his second year. Cause he, yeah. yeah, cause Tori Tori left with uh, to go to Texas with when Sark became the head coach at Texas. Yes, right. And this is year two, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't heard any inspirational speeches from Brian Johnson yet. I'm sure they're Not out yet. there. Um, but the weight room transformation is good enough. 
I would say. I think it's, I think it more than speaks for itself. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a complete, just everyone looks just different. They look like high level, unbelievable athletes, which they are. Wow. So how important will it, I mean, are we going to see the tight end position just a total, totally different utilization than what we've seen in the past? Or is it just sort of an evolution? I'd say, I'd say effective or more effective would be by my word choice. Um, yeah. I think if uh, Jesse, Jesse could probably put his own words to it, but that, that would be my word choice for it. Yeah. I think, I think I'm on the same page there. I don't think, um, we're going to see a change. I mean, they've used Jermaine Terry in some interesting ways. Like they've kind of mm-hmm. used him on some like orbit motions and, and used him as one of those RPO guys, um, which I think is new. I think that's interesting. Um, and, you know, Latu, they split out a ton, but I think it's, it's generally kind of going to be similar packages to what we've seen. Um, I think we'll see less of those, you know, three tight end sets um, and more, you know, uh, the receivers on the field because I just think there's better receivers than there have been. Um, but I think the utilization is going to be more effective, as Rob said. I think it's a perfect word for it. I mean, like you look at Law Two alone, and it's like there's mo- there's times where we'll we'll they'll have a two tight end set, and they'll have both Terry or Moharo with Law Two lined up in like attached, and then they'll motion Law Two outside, and from a defensive standpoint. Like, who the hell goes out to cover a 6'6 tight end who has, like, Jimmy Graham-type catch radius? Yeah. Like, corners are too small. Linebackers, you're going to leave the middle wide open to something else. So, like... You also can't cover him. You can't. (laughs) You can't. Um, So that's why the versatility becomes more effective because now he has the body to be able to do both. It's not a tell when he's on the field of, like, oh... They're just using him to throw to try and throw like an out or like a fade to him so you can high point it. Like, no, he's he's in the run blocking game. He'll chip guys, he'll go out, he'll he'll catch passes over the middle, he'll run corner routes, like he'll go out wide. It's and the same thing with Terry, like what what uh, Jesse was saying was like they use him in so many different ways that's like if you have him running out on a motion and he snap the ball and then they, they throw a quick to him, like who's coming downhill to to tackle that guy like he probably has he probably has one yard of like actual burst on you and he's running through you <laughs> you're probably yeah. running downhill for like 15 yards like trying to tackle him he has one yard to get you know acceleration and he's already blown through you i mean that, you want to talk about like you need to bring all of your hard hats to work you better bring them like yep. it is he's going to require two people to bring him down most of the time like it's that's just kind of the deal, especially if he gets out on the perimeter where he's looking at corners and safeties. It's just a bad day. Like it's not a fun target to bring down. If there was a Shaq to the fool in the uh, of college football, <laughs> I can guarantee you the guys on the opposite end of the uh, Jermaine Terry highlight reels would be on those. Hundred percent. All right. I think that's it. Anyone have it. any other last-minute takes or, or anything else, thoughts? Uh, I would like to say that, for the record, for all of my rivals at Rifle California fans, and I am very pro-Wilcox. I think this needs to be said. I think, in case it has not been very made very clear, <laughs> I think that it is good to be pro-Wilcox. 
He's a good football coach. Please stop insinuating elsewhere. As he leaves the Thank podium. You. Thank you. Ah. He just gets, gets up like LeBron, gets his suitcase, just walks off stage. Uh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's the uh, mm-hmm. the negative turn that it took last season was pretty wild to watch, and I think that yeah, there's a I think there's a tendency right now to want to be first on things, and I think I said this last year. I told you so. And there's a tendency to want to be the first person that said, "See, yeah. I, I called it." I told. I, call, I mean, like, what is this podcast? Right, we're doing hot takes, right? It's like I, I'm the first one to say like who's going to go to an NFL job. I mean, I did it right there. It's a perfect example of that. So there's a tendency to want to say first on things, and so when things start to go south, you can be like, yeah, yeah, yeah like I knew it. And, and in, instead, it's like you have to listen to what people are around the program. What, what is so consistent is anyone that gets close and around this program and gets around Wilcox is a huge, huge fan and supporter of that that man and i think it's important to understand that and that it's not just a media thing it's not you know it's a and and there's also a perfect contradiction to that which is like rob and i did not feel that same way about sunny we felt that sunny was a nice guy but we didn't walk away as impressed with his coaching acumen and i think it's important to just highlight that so jesse like appreciate you saying that because i don't think a lot of people do and you're right. I mean, there's just a lot of negativity in this world. And maybe sometimes it's worth it to just like throw out some positivity, even if, uh, you know, even if it's as ridiculous as Cal, like being ranked in the top 15. <laughs> We're just here. To Very have well fun. said, Andy. All in all, this is all for just... fun. We're all in here for fun. There's no reason for us to be like getting so upset and, and emotional about it. So exactly that's what we're here for we're here for entertainment that is what we try to provide and that is what the student athletes also provide for us on the field but shout out to them shout out to them once again game one this coming saturday september 3rd 1 p.m in the dead heat of like 95 <laughs> uh, let's go in berkeley uh we'll all be there we'll all be having fun uh but in the meantime if you want to read up about the team, we have all our written stuff up at rightforcalifornia.com. There's a bunch of previews. Uh, Christopher H.'s uh, preview on UC Davis's offense and defense will be dropping later this week. Jesse's previews also on Cal Rivals will be dropping at some point this week, too, along with some of his other preview writing on the team. So you can go and find out and read all about that over at cal.rivals.com. Um, and that is it for us. Once again, you can find us at Golden Bearcast on Twitter. You can email us at goldenbearcast at gmail.com. And with that, I sign off. Go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.